Hello, Ajam listeners, Ajam fans. I guess even the Ajam editor that's here with me today. Hi, Rustin. How are you? Hi, Kamyar. We have a very special guest today. Stefan Williamson Fa, an anthropologist at the University of Birmingham that I think many of our listeners and readers are familiar with for his quite fascinating work also related to musicology with the project Mountains of Tongues that we featured before on this podcast. And I think just in the, the Ajam circles, it's quite well known. Not to give you a big head, but welcome, Stefan. Thank you. Now it's good to be back. Transnational podcasting. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think w- w- three time zones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different every time. So today, for our listeners, Stefan is here to talk about one of his newer projects. This is the release of a new LP that just came out on the record label Death Is Not The End. And it is Aziz Boluch. It's Sufi Hispano-Pakistani music as it is framed on the website. But I'm pretty sure... That mind-melding mixture is going to be fleshed out a little bit more through Stefan's conversation. So I just really wanted to say that, Stefan, I've been aware of this musician for about a year and a half, thanks to you and the work that you've been doing to kind of rediscover his music and to make it available to us. So I'm so happy that you've released this EP, and I'm so happy that so many people can finally listen to this amazing music. To start off, who is Aziz Boluch, and why are we talking about him? Why is his music so interesting? The EP came out in June this year, but Aziz Baluch is a figure that I've been researching or trying to find out more about for the last 10 years of my life. And I still don't know exactly who he was because he had a fascinating life and he did all sorts of things. Aziz was born in Baluchistan, which was part of the British India in those days at the beginning of the 20th century. And although he grew up in the province of Sindh and then In the 1930s, he moved to Gibraltar, so to my hometown, Gibraltar, in the south of Spain. And it was there that he discovered flamenco music and he started studying the art of flamenco singing. So it's just, I mean, that already is quite fascinating how someone end up studying a music of like a completely different culture all those years ago. We always talk about musical connections between different places, but this is quite something. And then for the rest of his life, he kind of dedicated himself to studying the art of flamenco, to studying this music and to promoting a theory of the origins of flamenco. So he argued that flamenco, the music of the south of Spain, of the gitanos, of the Roma people of Spain, 
had its origins in Sindh and this part of, of the South Asian subcontinent. And so he wrote books about this, he gave talks about this, and he recorded some music. And those recordings are the ones we've just re-released. That's as brief of a summary I can give, but you know, I still feel there's a lot missing out there. I mean, I would say that that is probably fascinating enough for anyone to get into this. Because I remember when I first learned about this project from you, the two sides of that were just, that's enough for me. I mean, one, his story does, still doesn't make any sense to me, but it's, of course, extremely cool. And the other side is, is there any merit to his kind of genealogy of flamenco? Because that's not the orthodox view, right? So I don't know, either of those, those two sides that you've been able to uncover and research, I mean, is there anything more you can tell us how the journey happened? Yeah. And is he right? Was he right about anything? So, well, maybe I should tell you a bit more about his life first, and then we can talk about his theory, because then we can talk about music and get lost in that. So at that time, there was a whole kind of network of Sindhi merchants around the remnants of the British Empire at that time. So Sindhi merchants were traveling from Sindh and setting up shops and businesses through the Suez Canal, Egypt, Cyprus, Malta and Gibraltar, which was kind of the last British colony before you enter the Atlantic. And this started in the 19th century. Traders were coming from Sindh and moving to Gibraltar. And still to this day, if you walk down the main street in Gibraltar, most of the shops here are owned by Sindhi families, many who still speak Sindhi. And most of them are Hindu, but there were some Muslim Sindhis who came here. And Aziz had been studying in Hyderabad in Sindh, and he had kind of his first education was in the madrasas of certain Sufi shrines in Sindh province where he'd learned, I mean, in his books, he talks about learning the, the poetry of Rumi and other Persian poets and singing Sindhi devotional chants. And when he was in Hyderabad in the city, he'd met a businessman who had a shop in Gibraltar. And this businessman had some flamenco records and because Aziz loved music so much, he shared these records with him. And Aziz was apparently, in his books, he, he describes being kind of having this, feeling this deep connection to this music that he'd heard from far away. And he knew about the history of Al-Andalus, he knew about Ibn Arabi and other philosophers from Al-Andalus. So he really wanted to move to Spain and discover the place himself. And through this Hyderabadi businessman, he, he ended up moving to Gibraltar and, and finding a job here. And whilst he was here, he, I mean, in Gibraltar, there's always been a lot of, of different people coming and going. And the border with Spain, for most of the kind of British history of Gibraltar, has been very fluid. And so once he was here, he was kind of pursuing this interest and trying to find like seek out flamenco music. And his kind of big moment was one night when he crossed the border to go to La Linea, the town across the frontier. And there was a performance by the biggest flamenco stars of that time, Pepe Marchena, Nina de los Peines, all these different stars. And 
At the end of the concert, he approached the singers and said, look, I've come all the way from India and your music is exactly the same as ours and I want to sing for you. He managed to set up a meeting the next day where these singers would cross the frontier and come to Gibraltar and he would sing for them. And he brought only like a harmonium with him from Sindh. And he says that these stars, they came to Gibraltar. They thought it was a joke. They thought, what on earth is going on? This strange man wants to sing for us and show us his music and show us that flamenco and this music from India is the same thing. But apparently he sat down on his harmonium and sang a song by Pepe Marchena, by one of the singers that he'd heard the night before. And he did a rendition of that song. And the musicians were completely gobsmacked. They thought, what? wow, this guy is very talented and he loves our music. So they asked him to perform the next night in the same theatre. They had like a few nights of performances and they asked him to get on stage and apparently he sang both a song in Sindhi and this rendition of Pepe Marchena's song. And the crowd went wild and Pepe Marchena took him on as his student and started introducing him to well-known musicians across Spain and teaching him different styles of song. And, and that's kind of where everything, you know, started to develop. And he really kind of managed to integrate himself in a way into this kind of flamenco, Spanish, Andalusian, flamenco culture that was kind of the scene at that time. how things kind of started for him and then his life during the Spanish Civil War he was injured he was sent to the UK because that was the only place he could get treatment and there he started a Sufi society in London where he was 
kind of promoting Sufi philosophy and poetry and also singing flamenco. And so as you do, you know, you talk about Sufism and then sing flamenco. So it's quite bizarre that he was doing it in the 1940s and 50s. And so, yeah, he kind of disappeared. No one really knows about him. Only some kind of, for a long time, it was just kind of flamenco nerds in Spain who had heard about this strange case of a foreigner learning flamenco. But he kind of disappeared from both the, the discussions or the history of flamenco, but also he remained unknown to people interested in Sufism and interested in uh, Sindhi culture. So in the last 10 years, I've been kind of putting together his story and and trying to find ways of sharing this with people. And this EP is kind of my, hopefully the first of several small projects to share Aziza's story and music with, with others. So. <laughs> گمن پاسے بٹوں جے بھیڑیوں پہ روپوں جوے من ٹار ہی موٹی ملک ملی ہیر بنیا مارور جملڑ جی اتھمیوں میں دینیا مارور
So there's so many questions. I have to get one basic one out of the way, though, before we go into the musicology side of, which is how did you find this in order to re-release it? Was there copies floating around? Were you able to find the, the masters? or? So I at first heard Aziz Baluch on a weekly Spanish radio show, which was about flamenco. And each week the presenter would talk about something interesting in the history of flamenco and bring out all these old obscure recordings. And that week he featured Aziz Baluch and he played a few recordings. This was about 10 years ago. And when I heard it, I was just blown away. I I thought, wow, this guy, you know, there's a lot of kind of fusion projects nowadays where people try to mix things together. But this sounded really natural and completely unpretentious, just this kind of mixing of these different languages with flamenco. So I was instantly blown away, but I couldn't find anything about him. So online, there's nothing, just a few references to this weird incident in flamenco history where an Indian, in inverted commas, learned flamenco, studied flamenco. So I started trying to find out more, and then I found a copy of his book where this book called Cante Hondo, Su Origen y Evolución, where he puts forward this theory about the origins of flamenco. And there it said that he had come to Gibraltar, and Gibraltar is where I'm from. So I instantly felt this kind of greater interest in his story. And through that, I kind of followed different clues one by one, and the story of his life has been kind of unraveling. And through that, I found out that he'd recorded some tracks in the 60s in Spain. And so I searched through different record catalogs and different auction sites online to see if I could find any copies of these recordings. And before finding my own copy, I found out that there was a copy of this EP. The name that the reissue has is the same as the original title, so Sufi Hispano-Pakistani, which some people aren't happy with because they say, well, was he really Pakistani if he was born before partition? And so I've had these discussions with some people, but that was the name given to the release in the 1960s. I tracked down a copy of that at the library in Castellón, close to Valencia, and there was one copy there, and they had the digital files and they shared it with me. So there's not many copies of this original EP floating about. Occasionally they've appeared on some Spanish versions of eBay. They don't sell for much. No one really knows what it is or don't seem to appreciate it as much as I do. So you had to work off uh, just the LP copy for the re-release? Yeah. After looking into it, it seemed there would be no, no way of finding the originals. Because he made these recordings in like one session and yeah the copies which exist are just floating about and and just appear in in random collections so and is that all there is from him recorded just the four tracks so there's another ep which i found even more recently which doesn't have a name and it's just spanish versions of two of the same tracks on that ep so i think it's from the same recording session And I think it wasn't promoted much because it doesn't have a cover or anything like that. The other one had a cover. And he made radio appearances in Spain and in the UK on BBC. 
but those are probably not recorded given the dates like it was before the BBC recorded or kept copies of everything so I'm going to look into that but I mean the thing with Aziz Balucha's story is that things come up out of the blue so you know when I think that that's all I'm going to find out about him something else appears so I'm hoping that more recordings will will pop up in the future. Maybe with this release, there'll be someone out there who knows more, who might be able to share more. So let's see. I could ask so many questions because it's so fascinating, but I think we need to first get to some of the ideas here. It's kind of interesting. You're discussing sort of what the name of um, some of these writings are and then the theories that he was put forward. I mean, it's not too far from what you sort of get like through a cursory Wikipedia read, right? Of like the origins of flamenco that I think everyone looks up once in their life. Like, why does it sound this way? And some kind of vague reference to some potential Middle Eastern origin. And then you're like, okay, I mean, you know, kind of makes sense. Something quote unquote Eastern about the sound. In terms of like serious musicological study, where does this fall? Was he onto something or was it just sort of intuiting the origins of, of flamenco? So, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot uh, to say about this. And it's become a very popular topic of discussion. With Aziz, it's first he had this intense, intuitive feeling that there was a connection there. The way that he writes about like hearing flamenco for the first time, hearing these musicians sing to him in person, he felt very this kind of instinctive connection that, you know, there's something in flamenco that he'd heard in Sindh, in the shrines. And he had a very deep interest in Islam and, and Sufism. So he felt there was also something there, something more to it. So he published this book in Spanish, which was later republished in Pakistan, in English. And if you read the book, like three quarters of the book is just like memoirs. He's talking about his life, about moving to Gibraltar, about how he performed in Spain and all these things and kind of promoting himself. And he's got every right to do that. His life was worth it. The like last quarter is about his theory. And like the theory... There's not much evidence there. And so he talks and he throws like all these different things out there. So first he he talks about how in Al-Andalus, Ziryab, who you might have heard of, Ziryab was a very famous 8th century composer, musician, all-round amazing writer, cultured man who traveled from Baghdad or or somewhere in Iraq to Al-Andalus, to the Umayyad uh, courts and introduced culture to Al-Andalus. So he introduced music. He brought the oud, apparently, and he brought kind of table manners and culinary like practices from Baghdad to Spain. And Aziz Baluch claims that Ziryab was Sindhi, that he was from Sindh. I mean, everyone <laughs> claims that Ziryab was there. I've heard, like, I have Kurdish friends who say Ziryab was Kurdish. Others say he was Arab. Others say that he was African, uh, Persian. So it's not just Aziz Baluch who is claiming Ziryab to be his own. Yeah, but definitely just, it definitely adds another option to the mix. Yeah, exactly. And he claims, well, 
Ziliad, it's from this bird, and which in Spanish it's like the blackbird, and he was dark. So when you read the thing, you think, well, that's not really evidence. But anyway, it's a nice point. And he goes into, he talks a bit about how the Gitanos in Spain, the Roman Spain, they have a, a language which has many words which are similar to those in the Sindhi language, which is that has kind of become an established theory that there are connections between the Roma, Romani people in Spain and South Asia, certain groups in South Asia, and that they may have traveled across the Middle East to Spain. I mean, that's a very popular idea, and that's something that Gitanos in Spain also talk about themselves, about this movement from India. So that, for the 1930s or early 20th century, people hadn't really looked into that, but he was onto something there. And then he talks about, of course, the in general, the, the kind of Islamic influence on Andalusian culture and how it wasn't with a reconquest. Sorry, I hate that word. But the quote-unquote reconquest of Spain didn't bring about a sudden kind of break in culture. You know, okay, there was an inquisition and all sorts of horrible things happened, which radically changed the ethnic, cultural, linguistic makeup of Andalusia. But it wasn't this kind of radical break that he was kind of saying that that legacy is there and that can be heard in the music. For me, that is the most important point that he made. You know, in Spain, there's been this attempt to kind of rewrite history, to ignore the, or to kind of demonize the Islamic past. And for someone writing in the 40s and 50s under Franco's, you know, nationalist dictatorship, it's a, a really strong and important point he was making. There. He was saying, you know, there's something here in the music, in the language. And he makes some kind of musicological claims there, comparing styles of of certain forms of flamenco singing to uh, certain forms of Sindhi uh, song and certain kind of stories in, in Sufism and, and certain themes there. So he gives lots of different theories, not much evidence, but there are things in what he said which have been taken on by others and have become quite established and some things which I think um, deserve a lot more attention. Stefan, we've been talking a lot about the musicology and the genealogy of Aziz Baluch's music. I am curious about his Sufism and what he expected and what he taught Sufism to be or assumed it to be. I know that he joined the Sin Sufi Society in London. He founded that, that society. He founded that society. In terms of him and his faith, what did he practice? How did music fit into that? He was very devoted to Shalatif, Bitai from Sindh, and, and this kind of Mansurian, like Halajian ideas of oneness and, and things which go back to Ibn Arabi, of course. And he kind of developed an idea of a universalist type of Sufism based on his readings of Halaj and, and people like that. I think part of it is he had these kind of convictions, but I think also it was his way perhaps in kind of making sense of what he 
came across in his life. He grew up in Sindh in a very like pluralistic place where Hindus and Muslims were kind of praying at the same shrines. He came to Spain. He saw that things were, that there were similarities in certain rituals and practices in, in Christianity. He saw how Spanish mystical poets like St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, how these mystics were influenced by Sufism. So he had this kind of idea of, of like this universalism and oneness in, in being and, and things like that, which he, I guess also he felt that that was something that he could promote. You know? So it was a very open understanding of what Islam is and that it's not just about following the law, but about doing good and being good. And, and music was one way to kind of tap into the reality of life and being. And so he really did in these societies that he created in London and some texts that he wrote about Sufism, he was really kind of promoting this idea that Islam is for everyone, Sufism is for everyone, and music is the way. Music is how you cultivate yourself as a person connected with others, connected to the world. It's a very 20th century story. Exactly, yeah. In Hyderabad, he was hanging around people who were into theosophy and Inyat Khan and all these other people had kind of promoted universal Sufism in the West before that. So he was connecting in some ways, building on that stuff, but with a very strange kind of musical twist to it where, again, everything also somehow connected to flamenco. He felt that there was this spiritual essence to flamenco that had been lost. And he felt that the singers in Andalusia should drink less and shouldn't smoke so many cigarettes and that they should realize that what they're doing is not for pleasure, but it's about this kind of spiritual art. So he was quite critical of, of the kind of antics of, of the other musicians and singers he came across in Spain. It's interesting just because even to us who have not studied his life the way you have, there's just so many sort of themes of the era that he's in that he's intersecting with, right? I mean, you talked about sort of the context in Spain, and you've also sort of touched on this interest in esoteric thinking and all these things. And then let alone, I mean, you also sort of briefly went into the history of South Asia and the, the closure in some ways of that British chapter that he intersects with all those things. And there's, I mean, there's doubly the challenge of understanding how that affected him, but also, I mean, how we're supposed to make sense of it now. So I'm wondering, what is the reception that you feel been to this project from other people? How are other people taking this story? You touched on people being upset about the title, even though that's kind of just um, an homage to the original. But what has what the reaction sort of been to this release? As much as his life kind of intersected with all these things going on in these different places. I mean, the reception is also kind of deeply situated in, in what's going on now. So I presented a piece on his life at a conference in Karachi in Pakistan. And there it was interesting to see how people involved in kind of promotion of Sindhi uh, language and culture, really, they had heard of about Aziz and this theory of the Sindhi origins of flamencos. So that kind of made sense to certain people there, given their interest in promoting Sindh. In Spain, I mean, now there's also 
a group of people in Andalusia who are promoting like an Andalusian identity, which is more open, more connected to its Islamic past. And there, there's an interest in his writings, in his work, in his music as well, because there's been a lot of attempts to kind of promote these kind of different histories of, of flamenco. No? So, I mean, in these places, at least where places where, where Aziz uh, had lived or had these connections to, there's still kind of certain dynamics which probably also uh, will influence the way that he's received or maybe appropriated or reappropriated if, if people come to know about him again. But other than that, it's quite surprising, well, not surprising given my love for these recordings, but people have really just connected to his voice and, and the kind of simplicity of, of these recordings, you know, just a voice and a guitar and very seamlessly moving from one language to another. And it's beautiful, you know, it's, his voice is so warm and so touching that I think just on a kind of aesthetic level, it's great. So maybe we can move beyond the, the kind of politics and context of it all but and, and appreciate that. Um, or maybe it's uh, all interconnected. I think that's a, a great place to end. Stefan, I want to thank you once again for joining us. You're you're always welcome on the Ajam podcast. We love your work and you always bring in some great musical content for us. Thank you. So for our listeners coming from iTunes or Audible or Spotify or uh, all the all the apps, come to our website and you can read the accompanying article which will be on the front page hopefully. Yeah, and things will hopefully will find ways of getting bits and pieces of his story out there. And again, if recordings appear, we'll try and get them out and, and share them with people. Okay, so that's the Ad Jam challenge. If anyone listening to this suddenly discovers another lost Aziz Baluch recording, you'll get a free tote bag and you can come on the show. <laughs> that's good. But, but jokes aside, thank you so much. I mean, really fascinating. We're going to play one more track. We're going to close out with another track from Aziz. Once again, to our listeners, that was Stefan Williamson Fa, anthropologist at University of Birmingham. He just released the new LP of the great Aziz Baluch, Sufi Hispano Pakistani, as it's titled, and it's on Death Is Not the End Records. And we'll include the link onto the description. As always, if you are interested in this conversation and you want to participate, contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we'll speak to you there. Till next time. Kalvajahul Habibu Jamili Hairalvajahul Habibu Jamili Hairalvajahul Habibu Jamili
الحمر في قرنات del mundo entero la alhambra pedrona orgullo de Sangre llora el remo al entregar los su tesoro oh, 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 oh. 